God. Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes tonight again in chapter 12, the last couple of verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. I spoke this morning on the subject of duty. I spoke this morning on the subject of what? I want to speak tonight on the subject of duty. I want to speak tonight on what subject? Duty. I said this morning when you go to bed, I hope you'll see my face, hear my voice, and hear duty, 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 duty. And uh, give you a nightmare if you see my face. I hope you don't see it. Just hear my voice. It's good enough. Duty. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, written by perhaps King Solomon at the end of his duration of life of trying everything there was to try under the sun or on the earth, he tried it all. And he came to this conclusion in verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Let's pray together. Father, we bow our heads tonight to say thank you for the privilege we have to be right here in church on a Sunday evening. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the boys and girls and the adults who've sung together tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you'll receive some glory from it. I pray you'll speak to us tonight through the Word of God. Give my memory that which I need and help me to say exactly what needs to be said. And Father, we'll thank you for it. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake, amen. Maybe seated. Someone put it like this. They said, I slept and dreamed that life was beauty, but I woke to find that life was duty. Duty is the cement that binds the whole moral edifice of life together. Someone preacher said one time, I'm not so concerned how high you shout, how loud you shout. You can swing from the chandeliers if you want to, but be sure that you walk right when you hit the floor. Amen? Amen. Just be sure that your testimony backs it up. To walk with God, to talk with God is a valuable asset, but walking with God is so important in our life and walking with duty, doing the duty that God has called us to do. Let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And so I said this morning, it's been commanded for us to do that, and we ought to obey God. I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 tonight. The duty declares it. Duty declares that we be obedient to the Lord. It declares a responsibility that we have as Christians to do right. Chapter 5, verse 8 of Hebrews. Though he was a son, that's talking about the Son of God, yet learned he obedience by the thing which he suffered. Now, if the Lord Jesus set the example for us to do his duty, I know we cannot be Jesus. We're not never be able to in this life to be just like him, but we ought to strive to be like him, or to have a desire to be like him, or to strive to do our duty the very best of our ability. Uh, and may God help us. Do John, not John Rice, but Bob Jones had that famous way, Bob Jones the first, there was the first, second, and third of Bob Jones University. But Bob Jones would preach, I heard him in the later parts of 60s preaching, and he'd cup his voice like this, cup his hand around his voice. And I'll not do it for sake of my throat tonight, but he would say, do right, do right. Young people, do right. If a star is fall from heaven, just do right. If you learn how to do your duty in life, you'll find it makes a tremendous difference 
and how it goes along. But if you're trying to do what you want to do more than what God wants you to do, if we're not going to keep His commandments, do we love Him? And our love degree is determined by how much we love God. If we love God, it's going to show up in our obeying the commandments. There's ten in the Old Testament, first four toward God, second six toward man, and then you get the New Testament. There's many commands in the New Testament, and you start reading those. I know we may never reach all of perfection. As I said already, there ought to be a desire in our life to obey God. Why? Because we love Him. And if you love somebody, you want to be, a, you want to be able to please them the very best way you know how. George Washington's motto was duty his whole life. Uh, he said, if he could put one word on his whole life, he said, I want to do my duty. First president of the United States of America. How many of you knew that? How many did not know he was first president of the United States of America? How many knows Barney Five? We probably know Barney Five better than we do George Washington. But they got a picture of him kneeling beside his horse. Uh, we have one also of R.G. Lee kneeling beside his horse too. But George Washington kneeling beside his horse. And uh, he was a professed Christian. A man of God, and thank God for that. First president that we had, but he was a man of character. I've got a book in my library on the character of George Washington, on the things he lived by, several pages of things that he lived his life by. And they all built around the duty they had toward God and toward his fellow man. And what a tremendous asset that is to have. And so it's important that we understand that Jesus Christ had to learn obedience. It's not that he was sinned, but he had to learn how to be obedient. Uh, they had to tell him what to do, his uh, mother and stepdaddy, <clears throat> as he went through life learning because he had to go through everything we go through. So he went through every cycle of life that individuals go through, uh, from the baby all the way to the end of his life at age 33. But he had to learn some things, and he learned those uh, through being obedient and accepting responsibility he had. And one reason why probably he learned some things, he worked with his stepdaddy, Joseph, uh, in the carpenter shop. And no doubt had some rough hands. He was a man's man. I'm not sure the great, the exact picture of the Lord Jesus, but he maybe stood six foot tall, perhaps. Maybe he had rough hands because working in the carpenter shop. Uh, he was a man's man. He was not a sissy. Uh, I don't care too much for long hair on Jesus Christ personally. But the fact is, I believe he was a man's man. I believe he was worthy of following. And the disciples willingly accepted that task in life to follow him. He said, come follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. And as they followed the Lord Jesus, they heard and heard of many teachings he had and helped build their life for the cause of Christ. And after Jesus went back to heaven, of course, the disciples, uh, the, the 10 and then the 11th uh, that uh, they chose, and then well, they had 12 disciples, the, the 10 and Judas betrayed the Lord. And then they chose somebody to take Judas's place. And then the apostle Paul also was a disciple, one born out of due Susan. But these 12 men helped electrify the missions of God, and I'm thankful for that. The victory that we ought to have in our life will cause you to go to greater victories if you just do your duty. There's a bumper sticker I've seen around town. You've seen it perhaps on church. And uh, if it feels good, do it. How many ever heard that? If it feels good, do it. Now, I don't know what altogether that means in people's lives who wear those T-shirts or who put it on the bumper stickers. But I say, if God says it, do it. If God says it, to the best of your ability, do it. That's not always easy to do. Greatness is not one seeking own treasure or fame or, or anything else. It is doing your duty. If you do your duty, other things will fall into place in life, and you'll find a tremendous uh, successful life by doing your duty. Never despair, Edwin Book said, but, do, but, but you do work in, on in this. Let me get it out. 
Never despair, but you do work on in despair. The victory we have comes by just being obedient to the Lord. If you love me, keep my... All the way through the Old Testament, God gave commandments. All the way through the New Testament, God gave commandments. And they're still fresh today. They're still real today. And all of us ought to be involved in doing our very best to obey God. To do our duty is a tremendous responsibility. And we need to step up the plate and say, by God's grace, I want to do that. So those who really count for God so often are not most talented necessarily, but they do their duty. Let's take a housewife, for instance. Uh, She does her duty. A housewife... Uh, she cooks the meal for the husband. He, he usually just sits around with his feet propped up on the recliner. And uh, she cooks. The, my wife brought me lunch today. I was making radio tapes. And uh, I got three of them done. I got to finish two after I go home after a while. But uh, I went in the living room she, and I got in the recliner. I, propped, I put it in high gear, pushed it back and went back. And she brought me uh, turkey. Not a whole turkey, but a turkey. She brought me a sweet potato. And she brought me some nut, some cinnamon taste to it. And she had me something to drink. And uh, after I got through eating, she says, is there anything else you want? She's like, she treat me like a lord. Lord, anything else you want? I said, well, you got anything for dessert? She said, I don't know. She come through the house and she went in the kitchen. I said to her, my, I tell you, I said my recliner. I said to my recliner, and she come in and she says, here's two cards, here's two cookies. Dessert. And I'm telling you what, they were just hit the spot. They were soft cookies, just the kind that you just lust after. And uh, I ate those, drank what I was drinking, and went off to sleep. I wake up, and Nancy's gone. I don't know where she went to. The rapture did not occur. I was still here. And Nancy was gone, found out I finally got in the car and came over here. She was over here. She had already served my meal. I'm not saying she has to do it all the time. Sometimes a man needs to serve his wife a meal. And all the women say amen. And sometimes it goes hand in hand. But a wife's duties uh, in the kitchen is tremendous, far better than mine, at least in our household. Uh, my wife don't like me to do much cooking because I mess up more pots and pans than, than you have to mess up. I leave it a mess usually when it's through because I'm not a kitchen person. Uh, I like to go to the refrigerator. That's in the kitchen. I like to go to the pantry. That's in the kitchen. I like to go to where the food's at. That's usually in the kitchen area. I want to do my duty the best I can in my life in fulfilling that role. But a wife, a housewife, has a duty to her husband. She has a duty to the responsibility that God gave her. And there's some things I've found out about women. They can do things that men can't do. And I'm learning this too. They are smarter than men. Now, women, you just stay with me. That's worth a good hearty Amen. Women are smarter than men. Now, sometimes they don't act smart. Sometimes they just come across, you know, sort of inferior to men. Now, I wouldn't say that publicly, but uh, sometimes uh, women do not fulfill that role, maybe perhaps as they should. They need to be, I I think a good wife, she washes her husband's feet. That's not an amen, that's a mmm. She... Gives him a massage on his back to make him feel better. Uh, she waits on him hand and foot. You say, that's not my husband. You may have got somebody mixed up with mine. But anyhow, do what your duty is. Whatever your duty is, do it. If that means cleaning the dishes, that means your duty is to clean the dishes. Somebody that needs to clean the dishes, thank God for doing a duty. A preacher ought to do his duty. He ought to preach on. 
If they're listening, preach on. If they're bored, preach on. If they don't want to hear what you've got to say, just preach on. Amen. Dr. Howell says we ought to catch our own attention. You don't necessarily have to get the attention of the people. You just preach on. You preach what God gives you. Let it fall where it falls. And so a preacher needs to do his duty, his whole duty, and fight a good fight, finish the course, and keep the faith, and one day go home to heaven. But he must do his duty. A school teacher, we have several of those in our church, especially in our Christian school, who do their duty. And they get here early, and they stay here late sometimes, and sometimes working overtime. And thank God for students that said a teacher who does their duty. Uh, every student ought to do their duty. If you could, you could find that an A student and an F student, an F student probably could pull their grades up some just doing their duty. Not everybody's A students, but they could probably do better than they do because they don't do their duty. They just do what they can get by with, as much as they can get by with, and then they feel like they've done as much as they need to do. But those who make good grades and sometimes do far better, uh, they may have a better intellect, but usually it's because they work hard at it. And thank God for those who do that. And all of us are to find a place. I was not an A student. Uh, I, I'm not sure what I was in school. I look at the grade cards once in a while. I was in there. I got grades, and I'm proud of them. If it was a C in ancient history, I was proud to get it. If it was a C in uh, Greek, I was proud to get it. I did the best I could, honestly, in some classes. I just didn't have the wherewithal that some other people had. But I probably could have done better. I'm sure I could have if I had just done my duty and really studied more than I did study. I thought I did as good as I could, but uh, I'm grateful for the learning experience I had. Learning how to work at night and then go to school during the day. Learning how to do things sometimes that took more of your time and more of your effort. And just trying to do things you had to do. And many of you have been through that. And thank God for it. Uh, choir members. Thank God for good choir members who come to church practice. Uh, Larry Cox is usually in my office before church bugging me. And uh, after a while he will stand up and says, well, I guess I better go sing in the choir. And then he waddles in here. And thank God for being in the choir. As we get older, Judy mentioned about getting older Ever since I've been her pastor, I think she's been in the choir. And that's been a long time she's in the choir before I came. And I'm grateful for her faithfulness to the Lord. And I'm grateful for anybody who just puts the work of the Lord be faithful to it. Moreover, brethren, she's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And that's so important in our life that we do that. Listen to the words of several folks about duty. And I'll probably not preach very long, as I said this morning, because I've got difficulty getting here. The Declaration, listen to these words. Duty, George Washington's motto, I said a while ago. General Wellington said these words, There is little in life worth living for but to go straight forward and do our duty. Especially when they was winning the battle of Waterloo, he said. I've done my duty, praise God, Admiral Nelson of England. I'm going to keep on serving God till the day I die, Chester swore. I'm going to keep on serving God till the day I die. I'm going to keep on serving God till the day I die. I want to keep on serving God the day I die. And when that day comes, glory, hallelujah, for the hope we have, the glorious hope, the fact that we can go home to be with God, absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. Our battles will be over, the last battle will be fought, and we'll be in heaven. And we're going to be rewarded according to how much we did faithfully to the Lord, for the Lord. And those rewards will be given to us so that we can have a rewards to crown Him King of kings and Lord of lords. And everybody ought to work for rewards. You don't work for salvation, but thank God for rewards you can get when you stand before the great God of heaven and he passes out those rewards to us. So Chester swore, a great preacher, said, I'm going to keep on serving God till the day I die. How about you? 
Have you seen a lot of folks drop by the wayside? If you start looking around, you say, well, what happened to them? They quit doing their duty. Somewhere along the way, they quit praying. That's a duty. And I'm not trying to say how long you have to pray and how much you got to do this, how much you got to do that. Every individual has got to decide for themselves. But somewhere along the way, you quit your duty. Is it a duty to pray? It's not only a duty. It is the command of God. And when you pray, when you enter into the closet, pray. And if you quit praying on God, you'll find yourself weakened because prayer is the breath of a Christian life. The Word of God is the bread of life. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so if we quit reading the Bible and we just quit listening, if we can't read it no longer, we quit listening to it. I think about Brother Alan Morrison quite often in these days since he went home to heaven. Uh, the times that he sat alone in his little camper, how many times he listened to the Word of God. He always went in, he could tell you what he'd been listening to, whether it was singing or preaching or teaching. And listening, he'd always tell me something he'd been listening to. He wasn't very educated. He couldn't read hardly at all. He learned to read with the help of his wife over the years to some degree, but he couldn't read very well. But he was able to listen to others attentively. And he would always let me know what he'd been listening to and what a joy it was to know he'd been listening. He couldn't see good, he couldn't read good, but he can listen good. And thank God for those uh, inventions over the years that help folks who have a deficit in maybe seeing or, or even hearing that they can do it through sight or through hearing. And thank God for that. And I appreciate his memory tonight. It's not the spectacular, but those who prepare. It's not those who do the great feats. It's those who prepare in the, uh, in the shadows. Somebody said it's not the recital that you give. It's the practice room. How many of you ever been to a musical recital where each kids took piano? Raise your hand real high. How many of you enjoyed all of them? Uh, you ever sat through a recital? I'm, I'm going to be honest. It's sort of boring until my child comes up. And then they're really good, you know. But watching, uh, going to a recital, uh, it's not the recital that makes the, makes the difference. It's the practice getting to the recital. Does that make sense? You're doing your duty. You're doing what you're supposed to do. If you don't do your duty, you go in, you're going to bomb out. It's going to be terrible. But if you do your duty and practice, it'll be melodious. It'll be sweet. And it'll be good for those who are listening to you. And those who've tuned you out, they wait till their child come up and then all, everybody is supposed to be all ears when their child does it because their child does the best. Of all the recital of 15 young people, it's my child I believe did the best. Now you may not agree with that, but it's sort of prejudice in our own life how we feel about our children sometimes. Greatness is not the performance, but it's the preparation. And thank God for those who are willing to give of their life in preparing for the ministry. Greatness is not the pulpit, but the preparation for the pulpit. May God help us tonight. Greatness is not an A on the test, but studying for the test. Studying for the test is doing your duty. Greatness is not the World Series, but it's spring training. Greatness is not doing what, you're, is doing what you're supposed to do when no one else sees. That's character as well as duty. It's just doing what you're supposed to do. It's amazing how our lives will change and turn out different if we just do our duty. Sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's uphill. Sometimes it seems like it's taking everything I've got. Just do my duty. You get up in the morning and try to get to work but as early as you can. You get you up out of bed. You got to do your duty. You work all day long. You do your duty. You come home, take care of your family. You're doing your duty. You're doing your duty. The spirituality and Christianity is lived in, in, in shoes. And as you observe the, the observation around your own house, just doing your duty. You don't need to be an abstinent father. You don't need to be an abstinent mother. It needs to be one who gives their very attention to the kids as best they can. 
it's a tough world. It's a it's pressurized world. But we need to do our duty, especially doing our duty to the Lord. The whole duty and everything that God has for us <clears throat> needs to be done according to what God says in the Word of God. If you sing in the choir, you ought to practice. Amen? <clears throat> if you sing in the choir, you ought to practice. Amen? Amen. And if you sing in the choir, you ought to practice. Amen. Well, I got most of you ready. Everybody ought to practice. The worst thing in the world is to be off tune when you're singing in the choir, and you can correct that if you was at practice, perhaps. Now, some people sing off tune all the time. I think God hears it if I'm doing my best. If I don't sing on tune, I don't sing too many specials publicly because I'm not talented in that area. I'd love to be. I wish I'd have took more music. I've said many times in college, and I took a couple of courses of music fundamentals and so forth, but I wish I'd have took voice. They said, you ought to sign up for voice, preacher. I said, I won't need voice, and I'm just a preacher. I'm just going to preach. Bless God, I'm going to preach. I don't need music. And I could play. I could have I could took piano when I was in college. Or I could have done several things toward music. I didn't think it'd be important. I could took song reading. Boy, I wish I'd have took that. I don't know what all that means. These guys doing this four, four time, two, two time, whatever it is. I just, I just, if I was just going to do it, Paul does it. He don't know what he's doing. He just, he just moves his hand around. We've had different guys hold their hands at different places. But you've seen those guys who do it too. Wait till Paul does it on two hands. Well, but the song that he could have been a very asset to my life. But I didn't do my duty as it relates. I really wanted to spend some time at the snack shop trying to court Nancy. That's what I wanted to do. And I don't know if that was my duty or not. That's my greed, I guess. But the fact is, we're supposed to do what we're supposed to do. Listen, if you're singing specials, you ought to practice it. And thank God for those who sing specials and practice and get ready to sing. Do the very best you can for the glory of God. If you're a Sunday school teacher, you ought to be there every time the door opens. Unless you're sick or in vacation, you've got a responsibility. And that you're doing your duty. Sometimes you may have one student and you do your duty. You say, well, I, I just got one student. I'm just not going to teach today. That one student may be the next preacher in the world. He may be the next missionary that goes somewhere overseas. Everybody's precious to God. I watched the kids come up while ago. I don't know how many there were, maybe 10 or so. Wasn't it precious just to see boys and girls singing for the glory of God? That's preparation for ministry. It's preparation for the future. I hope all of them go on to sing in church, in the choir, uh, be able to sing special music by themselves. Never know what God may tap into in young lives. We look at them sometimes, look at them and think, wonder what they're ever going to develop into. Will they ever do what they ought to do? It's amazing how children change. And over the years, things begin to make a difference in their life. And uh, sometimes we just got to wait and be patient. But we need to learn to be faithful to the Lord in every areas of our life. And the Bible says, be faithful. He says, I want you to do the whole duty of man. What's the whole duty of man? It's fear God. Fear God. You read through the book of Proverbs, you find it oftentimes. Fear God is the beginning of knowledge. Fearing God is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God is an asset. Well, preacher, how do you fear God? You reverence God. You reverence the holy name of God. You reverence the holy book of God. You reverence the holy day of God. You reverence all that pertains to God. You reverence it. You're not afraid of God in the sense afraid He's going to plunge you into hell. That's not going to happen if you're saved. God will send those to hell who reject Him, but He's not going to do that for you if you're saved. All He wants is your reverence. I love you, Lord. I love you. And you love Him supremely with all your heart. And you reverence Him. You just answer the question. You don't have to raise your hand. You ever hear somebody take God's name in vain and it, makes, it upsets you? 
I mean, when, especially when they say words like GD and words like that in your presence. And after a while, if they do it much, you've got to say something. You can't control everybody's life, but if somebody's always cussing, you're talking about my father. And how sad it is that some people don't have a lack, they have a lack of vocabulary. They don't have enough sense to know how to talk decently. They just cuss and cuss and swarp and so forth and take God's name in vain. If you're going to reverence God, reverence His name. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That's the Ten Commandments. You say, well, that doesn't apply to me. It applies to everybody. The old and the new need to understand that these are the premises upon which our foundation is built, upon which everything lives is built upon the commandments of the Old Testament. And to love thy neighbor as thyself, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul, and love thy neighbor as thyself. All those come to bear in our Christian walk with God. And so he said, I want you to fear God. I want you to reverence God. This is what Solomon said. I blew it. I blew it many, many times in every area of life that was not pleasing to God. But I've come to this conclusion. If I could just get a hold of fearing God, reverencing God, having a reverence for God, I love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. You're a great God. You're a good God. You're a holy God. I love you. Thanks for loving me. Thanks for caring for me. And Lord, help me to obey you the very best I can. And if I fail, you help me to confess my sins readily. Help me to stay close to you. Lord, I want to fear you in the right sense of the word. My daddy was a disciplinarian. I feared him in the right sense of the word. Uh, my daddy loved us. He took care of us. But when we did something wrong, one of the great things of memory is remembering that mama said, daddy's on the way home. He'll take care of this problem. Now, mama took care of it sometime, but sometimes she'd wait till daddy. I had to wait for another couple hours for daddy to get home. There was a little bit of dread because of the fact I knew what was going to happen. And when dad walked into the house, he would say, James Marvin, where are you at? At that point in time, I was usually hiding somewhere in a good hiding place. And he says, out here right now. And I knew I better get out there right now. And then he would take over on the disciplinary end of it or whatever would made it out and what was necessary for my life at that time. I didn't hate him for that. As a matter of fact, when I become a dad, the first time I whipped Andrew, I remember people say, this hurts me more than it does you. When you whip your child, children ought to realize this. When I spanked Andrew, I said, son, this hurts me more than it does you. He probably looked up at me and said, that, yeah, that's a likely story. I don't see how that can be. How can it be that I'm getting the beating and you're, you're, you're loving me more and, and it hurts you more than it does me? But my dad said that it's going to hurt me more than it does you, son. And then he would thrash into us and give us a good spanking. And then you walk away from the disciplinary place. And I have, first time I spanked Andrew, I walked away and cried. I found myself overwhelmed with the thought of how much God loves me, how much the Father puts up with me. And then when he disciplines me, I ought to thank God for every chastening hand of God, what he does to bring me under his submission. And God has a way of working on you and take, taking you to the woodshed. He has a way of breaking you. He has a way of getting you down where you've got to understand, it's only me, son. Don't forget me. Beware lest you forget God, so says the book of Deuteronomy several times. He says to fear God and keep his commandments. So his essence, if we just do what he says, to love me is to obey me. Obey me, obey me, obey me, obey me, obey me. And when we don't obey God, we know we're not obeying God. We ought to ask for forgiveness for our sins as quickly as possible. If we know we've sinned, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For the whole duty of man is built on those two things, primarily the reverence and the fear of God and keeping His commandments. Because the reason, verse 14, He shall bring every work into judgment. Christians will stand before what we call the judgment seat of Christ. Unsaved stand before the great white throne. 
a Christian stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's called the Bema seat. You've run your race. You're ready to get your reward. Whatever God's going to place on our head or give to us after the battle's been won. And He keeps a record of our race. He knows exactly what we've done and what we haven't done. I want to please Him. I want to go to heaven and stand before the Lord. I've got a little reservations about standing before the Lord. Daniel Webster said, the most sobering thought that ever occupies my mind is that one day I'll stand before God. Now we say, well, one day I'll stand before God. A very happy day. Well, it may not be a happy day all in, all in intention. It may be one of sobering, maybe one of humbling us down. And the Lord says, you've been faithful here. You've been faithful here. But right here, you were not very faithful. Right here, you let me down. Right here, you turned aside to the world. Right here, you got more pleasure out of the fun than you did me. You found something else to satisfy you. You didn't, you didn't read my book. And I loved you. I sent you my love letter. And you didn't read the book. Stand before the judgment. Give an account for our lives. To receive our rewards. And then when we have the crowning day in heaven, to lay our crowns on Jesus' feet. You say, well, I don't matter to me. Yes, it does. I said this morning, if you get to heaven one day and we're there by the grace of God, is to be able to take something and bow at His feet and crown Him King of kings and Lord of lords. is a tremendous mammoth part of our life of knowing, Lord, You're worthy of all praise. If I never have anything in the future except what You give me, eternal life, if I never have anything else at my, at my disposal, if You don't give me anything, I sure do love You for what You've done for me. But to be able to express my love tangibly would be tremendous in heaven. Lord, here's some rewards I have. Sometimes your rewards go ahead of you. You send them ahead, and they're there waiting on you. But whatever you've done in this life, you're going to have to give an account for it, and every man shall give an account for his life. And that's not going to be an easy task. It's going to be a sobering event. And he says, with every secret thing, even those things that nobody else knows about, God does. You can't fool God. You can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool God anytime. He knows exactly who you are, where you are, what you've done this week, what you're going to do this week. He knows your thoughts inside and out. knows all about you. And God keeps a record of the secret things you've done in your life. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I say let's just do our duty. Let's just obey God the best we can. Aren't you glad to be saved? Aren't you glad He loved you enough to die for you on the cross of Calvary? Aren't you glad He rose from the dead? Aren't you glad He's coming back someday to receive us unto His own? In the meantime, why don't we just do our best to obey Him? Obey Him. Obey Him. To obey is better than sacrifice. Well, preacher, I gave you $1,000 today. Have you been obeying God? He said, that's better than giving $1,000. is to obey God. Just obey me. And that's such a, shine, a sign that we love Him if we obey Him. May God help us tonight to do exactly that. You'll find your life will go to success and prosperity. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of scornful, nor standeth in the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. He goes on to say that his way will prosper, but the unsaved will not be prospering. They live for popularity, they live for the pleasure of life, but the Christian will be a blessed life, it'll be a happy life, it'll be a joyful life, and you can let the devil set on an attack. And you can let the devil set on a bomb, is that what it was? A bomb. What else did he set on? Oh, that's, that's one of the great classic hymns of all times that the devil said on his day. But the devil go his way. How do you get rid of the devil? You flee toward God. You flee away from the devil. You draw nigh to God. He draws nigh to you. The devil can't handle that. Draw nigh to God. Seek to please Him all your life. May you, go, you pray for me, and I'll pray for you. Let's stand together, please.